0: you're listening to beyond the studio a podcast for artists i'm amanda adams and i'm nicole muller we're both independent working artists ourselves and here on the podcast we have honest conversations with fellow visual artists about their careers and the real work that happens beyond the studio you can find us online at our website beyond the studio or on social media at beyond the studio where we share episode links visuals and so much
1: more If you're an artist and would like to be featured on our social media, or maybe even on the show, you can submit yourself to our listener spotlight and share what you're learning beyond the studio. Just follow the link in our show notes or go to beyondthe.studio contact. Beyond the Studio is a fiscally sponsored project of independent arts and media. I am a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can make contributions to the podcast by going over to our website, beyondthe.studio slash about, and click on the button that says Donate Here. All donations made through IAM are tax deductible. Your support is greatly appreciated and goes directly towards sustaining the work of the podcast. If you love the show and haven't rated, reviewed, or shared the podcast, what are you waiting for? Please take a moment to show us your support.
0: If you've already done this, thank you. It means so much to us, and it's one of the best ways to help us keep going and growing.
1: This episode is brought to you by Annie's Kit Clubs, delivering creativity right to your mailbox. With nearly 100 years of crafting experience, Annie's helps you try a new craft every month, crochet or knit an afghan, build your fabric stash, or introduce your kids to crafting. In your kit, you'll receive all the special supplies and expert instructions to make something new every month.
0: As artists, it's important to have a creative outlet and hobby outside of your work and practice, and Annie's can help you learn new skills like woodworking, jewelry making, knitting or crochet. I learned to crochet last year because I needed a hobby, so I made my first blanket, and it was just a repeat of the same pattern, which was fun but left me wanting more. So when I got my first Annie's kit, I was so excited to get started on the Moroccan Tile Crochet Afghan Club Kit. I chose this kit so I could make a beautiful blanket and learn new patterns and techniques along the way. I get to build crochet skills month by month while stitching beautiful tiles which is perfect for advanced beginners, which is what I guess I am. Each kit includes all the yarn and patterns to crochet a new section of your afghan which is complete after the 10th kit annies also has helpful online video tutorials that walk you through every step of the way which is my favorite way to learn but also has paper patterns if that's your style
1: no matter your age skill level or crafting interest annies has a kit club for you use our promo code BeyondTheStudio 75 For 75% off your first month of your subscription to their kits at annieskitclubs.com. That's annieskitclubs.com. Thanks for
0: listening, and now for the show. On today's episode of Beyond the Studio, Nicole and I are doing the vulnerable and scary thing of talking to you about our money as individuals, and since we do the podcast, some of our money is a little connected, but... A number of years ago, Nicole and I both did this program, Artist You, uh, which you may have heard us talk about on the podcast before with Andrew Simonette, who was also a previous guest. And we both took it at separate times and found it to be super helpful, and it kind of inspired us to start doing these income pie charts. So I've made some for the years of like 2013, 15, 18, 20. Uh, 2020, 2021, 2022, and we wanted to do a full episode talking about how helpful these charts have been. Um, and I've made different types of charts beyond the income pie chart, and we'll share all the visuals of these charts with the episode. Um, obviously, we're not financial experts, but I think we all have the potential to be experts of our own finances through the power of knowledge and as artists, I think presenting information to ourselves in ways that we can absorb it is really helpful, too.
1: When we came up with the idea or the topic for this episode of visualizing your finances, um, we were thinking about the time of year, um, like things that we do as full-time working artists uh, around this time to sit down and look back on the previous year. Also things that we're doing in preparation for tax season and thought that it might be useful just to shed a little bit of light into that process. Uh, Like Amanda said, it started with these income pie charts, but I think it's grown for us over the years as our businesses or art practices have grown and gotten more complex. And we found these to be really useful tools for not only getting clarity on our own circumstances, but also in uh, planning for the future in coming up with goals for ourselves and deciding, you know, what sections of our pie we want to grow or minimize and so we wanted to do a bit of a deep dive into that process because I think as artists sometimes this whole conversation around uh, finances or personal finance can be really scary or taboo um, and not often talked about within the context of the arts as in you know where your income stream's coming from what are your income or expense breakdowns so all of these things we just wanted to I guess, come onto the podcast to talk a little bit more candidly about. And I think we've just been chatting behind the scenes too about how many uh, like feelings and anxieties this brings up for us personally. So oh, yes. that's something we also wanted to acknowledge going into this is that we we know these conversations can be kind of fraught. And so I think our hope is just that by being a little bit more transparent and sharing some of the tools and strategies that we personally use, um, it might be beneficial to other artists as well.
0: Yeah, before we hit record, Nicole and I were just talking about how anxious we both feel to be talking about money in this way. It feels super, super vulnerable. And like, I've spent most of my morning or or day we're recording in the afternoon for me, I guess afternoon for you too. And I woke up today feeling very down and kind of like a quote unquote failure, and feeling really embarrassed and vulnerable to share my actual numbers so publicly. Because if I'm being honest, I'm usually scraping by or like kind of breaking even. And I would, I've hoped to be more financially stable at this point, but this is my financial reality. And I know how much it helps me to hear how other people are also struggling and figuring it out. And as much as I want to be here and be all like, hey, guys, admire me for my success, it's more like, hey, guys, relate to me for my struggle. So that's that.
1: (laughs) I think that's also the purpose of the podcast is just to build more transparency around all of the behind-the-scenes and inner workings of being an artist. So we're, we're really trying to walk the walk here, as uh, difficult as it may be at times, um, because we know how beneficial these kinds of conversations are or would have been to us, you know, at an early stage of life or just uh, even today, I think being able to kind of have these conversations, like, privately is really, uh, really valuable. And so we're hoping that, you know, if anyone is feeling a little bit lacking guidance or just feeling anxious themselves that, you know, this may be able to help them too.
0: Oh, yeah. And I want to say that even though I feel this way, like our financial situation should not be a source of shame or embarrassment. And even though I was kind of having a meltdown about it earlier, I was talking to my partner, Mike, about my feelings. And he said to me, like, there's nothing embarrassing about paying your bills. And that just felt like exactly what I needed to hear. Because even though I have a lot of goals that I haven't seen myself accomplish yet, and I compare myself to that, or I'll compare myself to where other artists are at or or whatever, I am paying my bills. And like, even though month to month, it feels really tight. And like, there are months where I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I still am making it and like still managing to get through. And I think that we don't give ourselves nearly enough credit for making ends meet and i think it's worth it to really sit in in the gratitude around that and and being able to to make art out of nothing to make money out of nothing to like sustain ourselves out of raw materials tools or or nothing at all and even though it can feel really frustrating and stressful and shameful There is so much to be grateful for around the privilege of being able to create for a living, to at least live in part off of the work that we create. And it's easy to forget that when you feel very much in the weeds, but whatever we can do to kind of provide ourselves some perspective can help to really give us some peace of mind too.
1: Yes, absolutely. So we understand that artists are visual people and that sitting down to look at your numbers or, you know, compiling things into spreadsheets can be a little daunting. And so what we wanted to talk about for this episode were some of the tools or ways that we take the information that we've gathered throughout the year and visualize it in a way that works for our artist brains that allows us to really see Things broken down in in different ways um, that really gives us like information or insights uh, going forward. So with with the acknowledgement that this can be a little bit uh, scary or anxiety inducing, especially if you've never really um, sat down to take a clear look. I think making sure you're in the right headspace for it. So what we want to do is you know share some of our own our own information today and then um, some of these tools that we use so that if you want to try and implement some of those yourself as an artist, uh, maybe it would be helpful. Uh, but just making sure that you're kind of like creating a, an environment where you're you're ready to do it. I don't know. Uh, I like to just like make myself a cup of coffee or a smoothie or something mm-hmm. where I'm like and then dedicate a time where I'm like not going to be interrupted and just... Um, you know make sure that i'm like kind of taking care of myself mentally so i can sit down and do this cuz really all you're doing is gathering information so i think that's what's important is to come at it from a place of non-judgment you're first mm-hmm. just trying to like put everything you know pen to paper uh, so you can see things for what they are um and then from there you can sort of think about your goals or you know what things you might want to see change throughout the next year so With that said, should we give a kind of a breakdown on like some of the things we'll be talking about?
0: Yeah, so I'm excited to share our charts together because listeners, Nicole and I, if you don't know, are both now full-time artists, but our finances are also drastically very different. What it costs to run our individual practices, what our cost of living is in our different cities. Super different—the um, types of art we make and the expenses involved, our streams of income, etc. It's all very, very different. So it's worth mentioning that everyone's charts and income streams and expenses are going to look totally unique, and your own personal charts will also change over time. And even with these like drastic differences, our like our lifestyles still look fairly similar, but. our our pie charts again are very very different and i wanted to also say at the top and i probably should have provided this context like a million episodes ago but i tend to use (laughs) things like business my shop my studio my art practice art work creations production like i tend to use all of these words interchangeably And I'm like, art equals craft equals business. Like, I know in most worlds, they're not all used interchangeably. So I'm sorry if I confuse you by doing that. But ultimately what I mean is the things that we create or produce equate our jobs, AKA our work and art practices or craft practice, whatever. So any of that that involves sales should be considered a business. So that's kind of what we're talking about when we use that language, so... We're we're talking about money and art. (laughs) Just wanted to say that before I forget because I know I'm like all over the place.
1: Yeah, and maybe we should have given this as background at the top of the episode too, but just for uh, listeners that might be new to the show, um, just talk about what kind of work that we do, (laughs) because Amanda and I are both very different artists. Oh, yeah. Um, But yeah, hi, I'm your co-host, Nicole, and I currently live in San Francisco, California. Um, I moved here from Baltimore, where I met Amanda about uh, six-ish years ago. And I am a quote unquote fine artist. I'm primarily a painter. I've also done some installation-based work, and more recently been getting into the world of public art. Um, but I would say everything stems from my my work as a painter. That's sort of the core of my practice. So that's just a little bit of insight into what I do. <laughs> <Yes>. Whereas Amanda, <laughs> yes,
0: I Amanda, your other co-host. Uh, I live in Baltimore, and Nicole and I met while going to school together uh, over a decade ago, well over a decade ago, and have been friends ever since. And uh, we used to be roommates, and that's where we used to have many of our behind-the-scenes art discussions. So when she moved away, we were like... Let's do a podcast. But the art that I make, uh, while in school I was studying photography, but I primarily make work that is fiber art. I do a lot of illustration work. Technically my art practice falls under the like craft realm. Like I do a lot of craft shows. I sell my work online. I promote my work on social media. I'm not really showing my work in galleries. I'm not represented, I'm not showing up at like art fairs. So Nicole and I have very different kinds of uh, creative practices, which I think will be especially helpful in an episode about money because we're really on two very different sides of the same coin that is artist, um, but doing different things and how we bring in money looks different. I recently started doing video projects, which I had never done before, but actually managed to be a pretty significant chunk of my income last year and i was only doing it for a few months so again (laughs) every chart will will drastically change year to year i don't know if you saw this nicole but i sent a meme to the beyond the studio instagram and it was like about it was like someone in their 30s still trying to figure out how to create a budget And it was like, my brain doesn't work like numbers. My brain works in shapes and colors. And I was like, actually, though, my brain (laughs) does work in shapes and colors. So as artists, very relatable. And we thought that seeing our money as shapes and colors could help us to not only understand our money better, but to use it as creatively as we use our art practice. So, in preparation for doing this episode, I gathered a collection of all of the quote unquote charts that I have made for myself around my practice. Um, I mentioned before there is an income pie chart that uh, Nicole and I each kind of started doing because we attended this Artist U program, um, which is a free program. Uh, we'll have links to it online, um, and they have a lot of information that they offer. Uh, for free as well, so we can share that. And um, when I did that program, I started with doing a few, and these are just in my sketchbook, but I'll scan them a few charts that included just my various streams of income. And these were for years where I was not just working as an artist. So I like m- my first year that I did a chart, it was 2013. And at that point, my like creative income was maybe like it looks like maybe 20% of my total earnings as a human that year. And by 2015, I had been able to increase that to 50% of my like total earnings, um, which is when I was still like working a day job. That's when I was working at Apple. And then 2017 was the year that I like transitioned into being a full-time artist. And when I started doing that, I started tracking within my streams of income, the various art streams, like before it was just chunk of like art money. And now there's a bunch of different pieces of pie that my art money comes from, whether it's video work or podcasting or wholesale, whatever. We'll break down the individual charts in a little bit. So I've collected probably like, what is it? One, two, three four, five, six, like seven total years of these income pie charts that I'll share, which can show sort of how my income's been coming along. Um, Another chart I started doing last year was an expenses chart, which is sort of a breakdown of where all of my money went. (laughs) Um, For people that buy my work, they could see like, oh, this is the person, you know, the percentage of each sale where it goes. And I did that again for this year. And then this year I introduced two new charts, uh, one being an annual gross versus net chart, which just shows points on a graph to kind of show the difference of what my studio actually brings in versus what it actually keeps. And Even just presenting that information to myself was super helpful. Um, And then another chart we have that we'll be talking about is a monthly income versus expenses chart, which I started doing after I saw previous podcast guest, Sarah Husseini, of Not Work Related. Every year, she's been putting out these really beautiful year-end reviews of everything that she produces and the money of her studio and is unbelievably thorough and she included some great charts that I was inspired to also try. So I can we can link those as well, but those are the charts that I wanted to talk about specifically that I'm bringing to the table. I know Nicole has some stuff that she'll be talking about as well.
1: And you may already be tracking some of this info yourself. Uh, especially if you've brought in any income through your art practice, you're probably sitting down around tax time to at least figure out what your income and expenses are. So you may already have all of this information laid out in some way, but I think what we wanted to talk about today was visualizing these in different ways, uh, which are sometimes more insightful than just looking at numbers on a spreadsheet. So some of the ways that we've taken this information um, and then as artists kind of use used it to present the information in a way that gives us insights to help us make more informed decisions Going forward, or for the year ahead. And I think one of the reasons why it can be helpful for artists to do this and to kind of come up with different ways of tracking our finances is because, you know, for as much as our art practices may look like any other type of business, there are really unique aspects to it. And so I think, you know, also coming up with unique ways of Like tracking our cash flow or tracking our income or expense breakdown can be beneficial because being an artist is a really unique type of job. So, one thing that we've noticed is that doing these kinds of charts annually uh, has given us a really good perspective and, you know, coming up with different uh, metrics for tracking our time. Um, Being a freelance artist has a lot of brings a lot of variability. So there's a real value in zooming out. I think something that we were going to talk about a little later was just like zooming in, looking at things on a micro level, and then also zooming out and getting that big picture view. So how can we lay these things out in a way that's useful for us as artists um, to give us different perspectives and account for the again, the variability of being a freelance artist. Uh, there are often huge fluctuations in our income or expenses from month to month um, that are unique to working in the arts and that's perfectly normal. So again, we're not you know here to really give financial advice. We're not financial experts, um, but we are two full-time working artists and wanted to just share a little bit more about our own uh, circumstances so that it may be useful to other artists who are going through this process. So again, you may already be tracking this information in some way, uh, whether it's through a spreadsheet or even just on your bank statements. Um, but if you're not, that's a great starting point. If you are just starting out, I think uh, keeping really good records of your your business expenses. So anything related to your studio practice that could potentially become a tax deduction is important to take note of. There are plenty of apps for budgeting and for tracking out there. We'll maybe mention a couple later on, but there are a lot of tools to help with that process. And so um, I think what we wanted to talk about is, you know, how do you take that information and uh, just visualize it in different ways? But tracking is sort of the first step, I think. So visualizing is sort of like a like a 2.0 look at your finances so that you can start to gain better insights uh, from that information. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as tracking goes, I know for me personally, I, um, I will try and make note anytime I have a studio-related expense. So if I get an email receipt, I use Google labels a lot. Um, so I'll just label those emails as receipts so that I can filter it out at the end of the year and look back on everything. And then I also keep all of my paper receipts in a sort of like separate folder. So I usually have like a whole group of digital receipts and then physical receipts. And th- that's how I track all of my studio expenses. And so I do put all of that info into a spreadsheet at the end of the year uh, to help me come tax time, especially since I started working with an accountant about two years ago. Uh, I think when I was just inputting everything into TurboTax myself, it was a lot easier to just use whatever system I felt like. Things were a little more chaotic back then (laughs) or like an organized chaos. Like I would track things, but, you know, you you don't necessarily have to sometimes sharing that with someone else is kind of like sharing the inner workings of your brain. So I think once I started working with an accountant and having to pass that information off to somebody, I started um, making sure everything was really clearly compiled in a Google spreadsheet, Um, But you can also use things like QuickBooks or FreshBooks or there are plenty of like accounting apps out there that will help you track your expenses in more automated ways. So I do think it's a matter of finding what works for you. But I like to have my like master uh, like income and expenses Google spreadsheet with tabs for my income and then different types of expenses uh, mm-hmm. because we have the podcast as our side project and then I also have my studio practice. Um, so I like to create color-coded tabs for all of those things. And that's how I just you know track everything initially. And then some of my charts are pretty similar to Amanda's. So we'll talk about our income breakdown, which I think also tells you a lot about your business model when you see what different income streams you have. And then the income versus expenses ratios and um, a couple others that we'll get into later on. But pie charts, I think, was really the starting point (laughs) because of the Artist you Workshop, uh, like Amanda said. It all started with pie. Yeah. And I do love pie.
0: (laughs) Ah, yes. We should have given ourselves pie to eat along with this episode.
1: Oh. Missed opportunity. That was... Well, I like the pie charts because and I think this was I think this is how Andrew Simonette had framed it in that artist you workshop. But when you're thinking about your you know, goals for your studio practice or for the future, whether it's in like how you want to be spending your time or how you want to be bringing in income in different ways. It's not always a matter of just making a huge wholesale change, but rather looking at that pie chart and deciding like what slices you want to make a little bit larger for the next year and which ones mm-hmm. you want to make a little bit smaller. So when you're, you know, viewing it in that way and thinking of how do you want to like grow or minimize certain slices of the pie? Um, I think it feels a little more manageable than just deciding like, well, my goal is to like leave my day job or I'm going to cut out this, you know, 85 percent chunk of the pie. And instead it's like, well, you know, could I somehow cut back on my hours or could I shift from, you know, working full time hours to part time? And then is there another way I could make up that income that's more connected to my studio work or, you know, it just shifts, I think, the way that you might approach some of those decisions and instead of like the need to make these sweeping overhauls, um, you can start to break it down in ways that seem a little more manageable.
0: Absolutely. I even put in my notes above the, like when I was doing Artist U above the pie charts, it just put, or I put in huge letters, like what streams of revenue feel good? And I feel like that's a good question to kind of keep coming back to of sort of what aligns with your values, what aligns with your needs, what feels right in your bones. Yeah, sorry, I have a bunch of scattered thoughts that I forgot to say. By presenting challenging or complex information to ourselves in a way that our minds can truly absorb and process can really give us greater confidence in decision-making, in quoting our prices, in planning for the future, And I think that if we, like we can trust in ourselves to be resourceful and to make it work and trust that things will eventually come. And by tracking your own information, by tracking your finances, you can look back and literally show yourself the evidence of your own personal history. You can see like, hey, I felt like I was really a failure at that point. However, I can see that I still paid my bills that month and like giving yourself something to kind of counter your inner critic or or counter your stress, I feel like is such a valuable and important thing. And it's, I don't know, like I have said failure in this a few times and I want to say I don't actually even believe that anyone is a failure, but I often use that kind of criticism on myself and I think When we, again, present ourselves real information that's not just based on our feelings, but is based on reality, it can give ourselves a little bit of perspective and realize like, hey, I'm not the exception to the rule that no one is a failure. I'm just a human and I'm doing my best and actually things are going to be just fine. I think, I don't know, when I don't know what's happening, I get a lot of stress and I get in my head. But when I know what I'm doing, at least a little bit, it helps ease that, I don't know, give a little peace of mind.
1: Yeah, I think the goal here is really to develop better clarity. And that's what helps you make decisions going forward. I think this came up in a conversation recently. um, But I was thinking back to just some of the, the changes in my own work and life over the past few years. And you know, after hustling for many, many years as an artist in working uh, multiple jobs or day jobs on top of part-time jobs, on top of studio practice and podcast, it's really only in the last two years that the kind of income balance has shifted to where my art practice is the thing that's sustaining me. Um, but for a long time, you know, the the pie chart looked a lot different um, and it, it would change pretty drastically from year to year. And so I think I was always um, kind of working in service of my studio practice and, and trying to grow that, but it, it definitely hasn't been a linear path. And that's why I think having these like visualization tools to be able to look back, like you were saying, can help remind you of where you have come from and just how, you know, things have shifted for you over time And it also can help you when you're in the midst of those periods uh, to figure out where you might need to make a change. Because I remember back in maybe 2017 or 2018, after having moved out to San Francisco and being here for a couple of years, I felt like I was, well, I was really busy all the time. (laughs) That's just like my whole uh, personality in my 20s pretty much (laughs) was just like being busy. And so, you know, I was uh, working, I think at the time, a part time job at a museum, and then I was doing some freelance admissions consulting, and I was also selling paintings here and there. But frankly, you know, making this move from Baltimore to San Francisco, I uh, had kind of underestimated the shift in cost of living expenses and just how. Challenging, making a cross-country move like that would be. And so I was uh, struggling with being in and out of debt. And, um, you know, having had savings coming up from Baltimore just felt like financially, at least, I was really treading water and just constantly playing catch up is what it felt like. And so I wanted to be spending more time on my studio practice. And I felt like I was starting to get some more opportunities for like, you know, temporary mural projects or selling the occasional painting or getting invited to do like pop-up exhibitions or starting to have some shows at nonprofit spaces. So, you know, I had all these things going on, but I felt like financially I was really behind. And so I think like doing some of these exercises to get clarity on how I was spending my time, which was like really heavily skewed towards my studio practice, and towards these jobs, which, you know, frankly, was feeling like a little bit underpaid as well. Um, I I realized, like, if I'm going to meet some of these financial goals, then I need to shift what I'm spending my time on. Or, you know, I'm going to have to, it's going to have to change the kinds of opportunities I say yes to, or maybe how I'm pricing my work. I mean, all of these things are factors. So when I really started to get clarity on those things, it did change how I, what I felt like I could confidently say yes to or opportunities I had to step away from. I started seeking other types of work and I got really focused on growing my income as my goal. Uh, So not just, you know, getting out of debt, but if I'm going to, if I'm going to do that, you know, I'm going to have to, and I'm, I'm already stretched thin as far as my time goes and, you know, super busy with all types of work. Uh, if I'm going to like meet those income goals, I'm going to have to make some changes. And so that was, you know, now like four or five years ago, it feels like. And I, I feel like things, you know, it took a long time and it didn't happen in the way that I expected, but eventually things did swing in the other direction. But I think one of the uh, foundational things was just kind of getting clarity on where I was at so I could see like a goalpost for myself on like where I wanted to go more more specifically than I'd been able to in the past.
0: Yeah. Uh, for listeners that want to create their own charts, um, I think Nicole ma- mentioned before that there are at like budgeting apps you can use where they'll create charts for you based on the information you put in. I know Nicole has gotten some charts through... Artwork archive, who we've had on the podcast before. I just input my information through the like numbers application on my computer and use their like charts to get the visuals. And then I just drew my own charts off of that. Also, special shout out to my brilliant and amazing sister, Sarah, who is a data scientist. And I gave her a bunch of the numbers and she literally like coded charts for me. I'm not showing you guys those charts because it includes my like actual numbers. And not that I'm afraid to show you my actual numbers, but I don't think it's totally helpful in this context. Because again, everyone's numbers will be different, but it's the charts that show kind of the percentage breakdown that I think is more helpful information. And I'm, I'll still tell you some real numbers, but
1: yeah, yeah. and now that you have a little more background into the type of work we make, um, you'll see that our our business models and our breakdowns look really different um, when we go into the pie charts. So uh, like Amanda said, tracking and record keeping is sort of the first step. Um, I also use this app called You Need a Budget, um, which oh, yes. I found has been useful in uh, just creating a monthly budget out of some of this info. But uh, for the charts, I really just looked at my master Google spreadsheet that I use for my year-end income versus expenses for accounting purposes, and then took like all of my income sources and just calculated the percentage. And my pie charts right now are just little scribbles in my sketchbook, but I will make better visuals so that we can share these with the episode. So if you are listening, make sure you're following Beyond the Studio on Instagram, where we'll share all of these charts. Or you can check out our website, beyondthe.studio, um, where we will probably share them as well. Uh, so if you're if you need the visual, as we've established, we're all visual people. <laughs> while you're listening to us talk about these breakdowns, check out those two places for that. Yes, these charts
0: are not perfect. We made ours kind of based on tracking our finances through taxes, so a lot of it's kind of broken down the way that the U.S. tax system breaks things down. Um, there are some things that, like I could not totally include that I technically would consider business expenses. But like, since my business is based out of my home, a lot of my like personal expenses are tied up with business expenses. So some of it, it's sort of like, based on my square footage, I'm allowed to write off this much for a home studio or office. However, it probably costs me a hell of a lot more, things like that. Mm -hmm. And also, Nicole and I both reside with partners, and neither of us have financial dependents like children or other family members that we're supporting. And so those are also really – it's relevant to say because, like, I I would not be a homeowner if I lived in this house alone. And probably there are a lot of things that I would not be able to do if if certain expenses weren't split like they are. So, again, more context.
1: Yeah, and all this is is just a glimpse into our individual – circumstances but um again it's you know hopefully the the goal is to just create some frame of reference to create a little more transparency and to give other artists some helpful tools for approaching these things in their own life but uh, it's definitely not meant to be uh, prescriptive in in the way that um, like you've said a number of times everybody's situation is different and the variables will look different for for everyone too Um,
0: let's see, is there anything else before we dive into these charts? I was just going to ask, are we ready
1: to dive into the actual charts? (laughs) I think we are. All right. (laughs) To Um, the charts. (laughs) Let's do it. All right. So we are going to start
0: by talking about the income pie chart. When it comes to creating an income pie chart for yourself, it is worth it to be specific about your streams of income. And that way you can use this information to decide how you would like to bring in your money in the future. In the past, I've definitely grouped things together like online sales, but there is actually a big difference between sales through my website or sales through an Instagram sale or sales through Etsy. And so having that kind of specificity can be very impactful. Also, if you do things like tracking your time, this would be very useful to compare to an income pie chart. I uh, found in a many years old notebook, a note to self, start tracking your time, and I still have not done it. So maybe this is the year that I start tracking my time, but it would be helpful to know, like to be able to share or to see those two kinds of charts next to each other, to see how you spend your time versus where your money is coming from and where you would need to potentially accommodate for the differences. Also, if you're someone that is doing multiple events, like if you do craft fairs or art fairs or pop-up shops, it it could be worth it to also be specific in those rather than grouping them together.
1: Yeah, instead of just like sales, break yeah. it down. Yeah, like I
0: did... Here, let me just pull up my income pie chart so I can look at them together. Like for... 2018 I just did online store but like I know I had an online store and Etsy but like I don't know which was coming from where necessarily and I combined like wholesale and consignment which are also technically two different things but this year I got a lot more specific in how I broke down my pieces of pie Yeah, I don't know how we'll share these on Instagram, whether it's like all of our charts are in one post or we do like different posts per type of chart or something. But we will have, we'll definitely have it all online for you guys to see. But I'll say for, uh, yeah, for 2021, I'll start with that one. um, I only included four different pieces of pie in my income streams. Like, online sales grouped together, wholesale grouped together, commissions grouped together, and speaking grouped together, which I guess technically would include some podcast stuff. But then for 2022, I got a lot more specific. So I included Etsy sales, shop updates, and website sales, podcast earnings, miscellaneous speaking gigs, uh, video commissions, felt commissions, Instagram story sale, wholesale, and then I even included my Society6 sales, which is a laughable less than 1%, but relevant. Oh, also I I wrote on all of my charts, Close Call Studio, but this is like my personal income. So it, it includes like video commissions and podcasts, which are not Close Call Studio, but I just wrote that because of habit. So yeah, be specific when you're creating this chart so you can really see like, I did not realize that an Instagram story sale could actually amount to 4% of my annual income. And like I did that out of pure Mm. panic because I was like, I don't think I have enough to make this month's bills. And it ended up being quite helpful. Um, And that was just sort of a sudden like, I've got stuff in the studio. I need to get it gone. Let's put it on sale. Let's do this. And I will say that like social media ain't what it used to be. Uh, In case you haven't been on social media and missed it, it's really hard to get your work in front of people that follow you these days. But sometimes the sense of urgency of like a short-term, you know, story sale that's going to disappear will still like get your work in front of people. And there are ways to do that, but we can save that for like a social media episode if we ever feel so inclined. Yeah, those are kind of some of my thoughts around my income stream. I'd love to, like in previous years, I have used the chart to see that like wholesale was taking up or was bringing in a lot of money, but taking up an immense amount of time and was really not fun work for me. So I've been working to continue to reduce that. And this is the smallest it's been since I started doing wholesale. Um, and I do notice a difference in my quality of life. But there are also things I'd like to do more of, like more video commissions, would love to bring in more money through the podcast, would love to see craft shows in my income streams next year, which I just got accepted today to my first craft show back since before the pandemic. So I'm excited to actually sell stuff in person again. But anyway,
1: sorry. Now those are my thoughts from the income pie chart. I'm done with that. Yeah, and mine look really different, um, which is, it's always interesting to hear, again, what other artists pie charts look like because I think we just all have really different uh, income streams. Mm -hmm. But I guess for background, um, so I, I feel like one thing that you, like you have the benefit of having more experience and I've learned a lot from seeing you do these charts over the years because you've really been able to kind of see like how these trends have shifted over time for you. Uh, So that's encouraging to me because I've really only just started doing it in the last couple of years. And I would say maybe only since 2020 or so has my quote unquote art business become profitable. So, you know, I've been like selling work or building my studio practice on the side and then had other jobs or things that were supporting me. Um, Mm -hmm. But my studio expenses were usually more than what I was bringing in. Through the studio um, up until a few years ago. And so in the middle of 2021, I was able to leave my day job thanks to a large painting commission. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you've heard us go into detail on these things. Um, But just to give some context for the pie charts. So I'll start with um, 2021 because for uh, about half of the year I was working full-time at California College of the Arts and then I left that job to focus on my studio practice full-time. So that year uh, my my art business or my studio practice made up about 80% of my overall income and then my job at CCA from those first few months was about 16% of that year. Um, i had also gotten or applied to a, um, a COVID relief grant that was about 3% of my income that year. And then I had uh, like 1% of, I don't even know what that was, miscellaneous things. That was, I guess, I guess, my overall income chart from a few years ago when I was sort of transitioning to working for myself full time. Uh, but for my income breakdown, for my art practice, like my income streams through my studio practice alone... I had taken like the average of my 2020 and 2021 income for this first chart. I stole this from a presentation that we had given a few years ago. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, But my breakdown was about 86% skewed towards commission projects so that includes things like the large painting commission that i did i'd also painted a handful of murals and i'd done some other installation based work so i sort of grouped all of those things together into the category of commission projects um, and that was the bulk of my income so it's very project based at the moment and then about 11 percent was painting sales so other like existing work that i made in my studio just your standard painting sales uh, 2% or so was from the podcast, so things like sponsorships or affiliate marketing we did a little bit of, and then like a teeny tiny sliver of the pie was for other speaking engagements. And this last year, 2022, interestingly, my income pie chart looks pretty similar to that as far as the breakdown, even though my um, the type of work that I took on or like the projects are totally different. So I still ended up with about 82% of my pie dedicated to public art. Um, So rather than commissions, I've kind of classified that as public art, um, which would include the proposal stipends from the two projects that I was a finalist for and then the payments for the design phase of the project that I was selected for, along with the initial payment milestone for the fabrication phase of the Tempe project I'm working on. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can listen to our most recent episode where we talked all about that public art project, but that was the bulk of my income in 2022. And then painting commissions or painting sales were, again, about 12.5% of my pie chart last year. So I I did take on like a a small number of other painting commissions and then just selling work out of the studio. And then about 5% was from the podcast. So again, things like sponsorships. We did our first live event uh, last year at the ICASF. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a handful of speaking engagements or virtual talks. And then I had like half a percent that I didn't really know how to categorize from um, having some work in a like temporary exhibition in a kind of a public lobby space. So I called that artwork rentals, um, but that was like half a percentage point. So those are my income pie charts from about 2020 to 2022. My like revenue streams look Overall the same, even though, like the kinds of things I was working on, those two years was totally different. And I think for the future, you know, the reason that commission slice of the pie or the public art slice is so big for me, I think, is because that's really how I had been actively working to grow my studio practice into something sustainable. Um, I'd like to still keep taking on public art projects or commissions, but I think I'd also like to grow that painting sale slice of the pie. Uh, So selling the work that I'm uh, continuing to make in my studio, finding new avenues for that, And then one thing that's different for me going into 2023 is having this one public art project underway. I'm able to predict at least like one section of income through the first half of this year, which I don't think I've ever been able to do in the past. It's really just like generating things continuously and taking projects as they come. But it does feel nice to be able to like project out a little bit with some certainty, uh, you know, for at least the first half of this year what my income sources will look like. So those are my income pie charts. Um, I don't know what makes sense to jump into next. Maybe the income versus expenses?
0: Yeah, and I was going to say, sorry again, final thought. Regarding the close or the income streams, um, I think in previous years I'd been very, basically my close call studio, like craft business, whatever, has really been my bread and butter And what has made me a bulk of my, the bulk of my money. And even though the chart says Close Call Studio, it probably takes or brings in like maybe three quarters of my income roughly. And in the past, I really was very committed to the concept that it would be my full income indefinitely. And I'm starting to like accept and be open to the fact that like, There may be a day where Close Call Studio only makes up a quarter of my pie because I have other creative streams of income and that's okay. And like, it hasn't been a quarter of the pie since I had, since I was working like several simultaneous day jobs and was, you know, using those day jobs to build my art practice. And I think being able to even just look at, you know, these charts that I see in front of me from just a span of a few years, seeing that... The potential for income in other places could also help alleviate some of the stress of running the business that I have chosen to run thus far. So,
1: kind of incomplete thoughts, but it was
0: really helpful to, I don't know.
1: Which just goes to show that even uh, within your own practice or business, how much things can change year to year. So, there are so many different ways to make a living off of your own creativity. And I think that just shows how you know, close call studio which was such a big part of that has now shifted to accommodate for this entirely new income stream or like creative outlet that you weren't expecting. Um that's, you know, making up a pretty big slice of that pie. So, I think that one thing that we've also noticed overall just in interviewing dozens of artists for the podcast over the last few years is that every artist that is managing to make a living through their work has multiple streams of income so even if it's just under the umbrella of you know them their name as the artist or they have a like kind of a business structure set up um, maybe similar to like a close call studio that there are always i think i can confidently say 100 percent of the time you know multiple revenue streams within that so i think that's important to keep in mind if you're uh, an artist that's trying to build your own practice into something sustainable or you're thinking about you know what your own income pie chart might look like it's usually never just 100 percent of the pie is coming from one thing but there's always going to be these multiple sources and so that's why i think it's valuable to visualize things in this way yeah. And
0: there's a there's a chart I would love to eventually make where I'll talk about it in a few charts, but I made like a year-to-year chart and I included the like gross and net in that, but it would be helpful to make a year-to-year kind of bar chart of the streams of income stacked on top of each other to see as things disappear or take over or change or whatever. And yeah, within those businesses also, there can be a lot of individual streams of income too. like close call studio, I still list it as like one chunk essentially. but even within that, there are things I make by hand. There are things that I outsource like patches or or printed shirts or bandanas or whatever. And I could break that down more in the expenses, I think. but um,
1: yeah, there's still
0: so much even within these little pie pieces.
1: Yeah, maybe that's a good segue into the income versus expenses pie charts.
0: Oh, I think you're right. I technically have two charts for that. There's like the expenses pie chart, which I titled real costs of 2022, which is sort of like pricing explained slash where does all my money actually go? (laughs) (laughs) Or there's the like monthly income versus expenses breakdown that is just a little bit simple.
1: Oh, that's good. I actually didn't go into that much detail. Well, here, I'll start because mine's way simpler. um, But I feel like those are good insights that you can go into more detail on (laughs) because I just did my annual income versus expenses breakdown from the last two years. But it's interesting because for 2021, my so I took my gross income, like my overall pie chart, you know, everything I brought in through my studio practice, and then deducted all of my studio related expenses or business expenses. So my net income 2021 was about 73% and my expenses were about 27%. So it's like one third to two thirds. So I had a really profitable year in 2021, that's great. Yeah, so if you've been listening to the podcast for a little while, then you'll know that that was also sustaining me into part of 2022 so that, Year that was extra profitable was sort of carrying over into the following year, this most recent. Um, and then last year in 2022, my uh, income to expense ratio basically flipped. So because I went from um, taking on these larger commercial commissions where we, and we kind of talked about this in the public art episode too, but um, some of the differences between like public art versus commercial projects um, have to do with the budget breakdown. And so this may not be the case for every project, but interestingly what I found is that with public art, your your artist fee or your take home may actually be a lot smaller than with a commercial project of a similar budget because you have to justify all of your expenses and your artist fee is typically you know a set percentage whereas with commercial projects there's a lot more flexibility you can kind of determine you know whatever your own what percentage that is you know you have more control over so because the majority of my income this last year was coming through this one large public art project i also had a lot more expenses associated with that public art project so my net profit looks a lot lower. And um, the other thing that's different about this year is that I moved my studio in September, October into a much larger space. So my studio overhead also increased. So my income expense ratio pretty much flipped 70-30 from 2021 to 2022. So another goal that I have for 2023 is to increase my percentage of net income or the profits that I keep um, while also continuing to grow my overall overall income pie chart. Big same. I also started doing my income
0: versus expenses charts the last couple of years or I just called them in 2021 I titled it real shop numbers and in 2022 I called it real costs. So basically what I I did the same thing where I put together my gross income and included all of my expenses and then there's also a pie for my net income aka my take home pay and I will include some numbers just to give you a little context because it can be helpful. The reason I decided to include some of these numbers was because uh, Nicole and I were talking about this article from the New York Times that came out a couple weeks ago, and Mm -hmm. we'll include the link. I don't remember exactly what it's titled, but it's something like, like 27 New Yorkers told us their income and we illustrated it, something like that. And I was kind of amazed to see the numbers because a lot of the numbers looked similar to mine or were making even less than me. And I'm like, I'm struggling to make ends meet in Baltimore. How are they doing it in New York? So it sort of helped me to kind of quell some of the shame and frustration and embarrassment I was feeling around my own finances because I've like pretty much always been in the very small piece of pie Regarding my net income, like I've never, this was my, uh, like in 2022, I had my greatest net income, which was 30% of my gross income, and I've never had it that high before, which is really exciting. But it also was based on like a few very strategic decisions around cutting costs, which may not be replicable in the future. So, Who knows? My percentage might go down again, but I will say my total expenses for 2022 to keep my shop afloat was about $19,000. My most expensive year to keep my business afloat was 2020 and it cost me over $30,000 to keep things running that year. But my profits, like my personal take-home pay was almost exactly the same between those two years, even though Mm -hmm. I made like $11,000 $11,000 less this year than I did in 2020. So I was able to still find ways to increase my take-home pay while simultaneously making a lot less money.
1: Ace. And
0: that was really helpful to be able to like see my charts to help to inform those decisions. Like 2020, and I'll break it down when I do my annual gross first net because that will show you a little bit more clearly – but I basically after doing my 2021 taxes in April of 2022, I was really kind of heartbroken and, and surprised and devastated at how little, like how much my income had dropped from 2020 to 2021. And so I had been a little bit reckless with my tracking around then too, because it was like, I don't know what's happening or what to expect. And I think I just felt like things were going to keep cruising in an upward trend and I watched things go in the opposite direction and I was like stressed. But because of that, that was why I decided to like try to spend as little money in my business as possible to try to recoup some costs, which allowed me to increase my piece of take-home pie. But yeah, last year was my most profitable um, because I purposefully didn't outsource any products. Like usually I will outsource shirts to be printed by a local screen printer or I will outsource patches to be sewn from a patch company here in the U.S. and I purposefully did almost none of that aside from like restocking a couple things that sold out because I was sitting on inventory I needed to move out of my shop and I was like I am very financially strapped. I basically was in pretty serious credit card debt all of last year and most of the year before as well. So it was just, you know, trying to find ways to, to make my personal finances less stressful. I was trying to find ways to accommodate that in my business. The nice thing about doing this sort of average annual income, which includes your net, is you can basically break it down to a dollar amount in your head. You can say, if I'm looking at my chart and this equals $1, I'm making 30 cents For every dollar that I make, that's what I get to keep.
1: I believe they call those profit margins in the business world. (laughs) Right? Right? Granted,
0: that's not exactly how it works because this is an average and I have products that are way more profitable than other products. So like for some things I make, my profit margin may be 100%. For other things I make, my profit margin would be a lot smaller. So it just depends. And it's also worth saying that like I very... (laughs) Uh, I very purposely have designed my life to be able to reinvest just about all of my money back into my business. So a lot of these expenses are technically by choice. Basically, whenever I can afford to, I'm like, time to get a new desk chair that's ergonomic and doesn't hurt my back or time to finally update that computer or time to finally replace my broken camera lens. So it, it tends to be that I want, to invest all of my personal money back into the business, because that's what I care about. It's not always going to be that way for everyone. Um, I can go into the monthly income versus expenses, uh, or I guess before I move on, do you have any more expenses thoughts?
1: No, I'm interested to hear this because I don't think, or I don't track, haven't broken them down in as much detail, Well, we talked about this in the public art episode, but I have been really diligent about tracking my expenses as it relates to that project because it's so connected to things like when my payment milestones are and how much they are. So I really had to on top of tracking all of those expenses but I didn't necessarily then go back and categorize you know how much like what percentage was going towards my studio rent versus material costs Mm -hmm. um, even though I do have that information in a spreadsheet. So I'm interested to know what that monthly breakdown looks like for you because I feel similarly that most of my Most of my life expenses, I would like qualify as studio expenses, Um, you know, apart from my apartment rent and probably money spent on food, you know, I'm not, I don't, I feel like I'm a pretty frugal person, um, but the, you know, the things I will splurge on or like I don't hesitate to make a purchase are when it comes to art supplies or anything connected to my, anything I feel like will further my studio practice, it's like I will... I've been like wearing the same clothes for the last 10 years, but I will like not hesitate to spend $100 going to an art fair over the weekend, like last yeah. weekend. So, you know, it's just like values-based budgeting, I think was what they call it. And when our, our studio yeah. work is the most important thing, that tends to be what we spend the most money on. So yeah, most of my expenses are studio related, but I haven't broken them down as consistently as you have. I will say this chart.
0: It's it's very simple. I just made this chart um, because, like Nicole, I also have been tracking all of my finances in a like Google spreadsheet that I can then kind of arrange the the rows in different ways. So I can you know arrange it by date and see like oh here's the total that I brought in this month, the total that went out that month and uh, so this chart it's not very complex it's just straightforward money brought in money brought or money went out broken down by a bar um, shown month to month and for this this was just sort of helpful to get a gauge of what an average monthly studio cost is for me what it costs to just stay afloat to just keep the business in business and and It also is helpful to see, because, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, where my income, it really ebbs and flows. It's not consistent across the year. There are months where I may have no income at all and months where my income may cover me for several months. Um, There are definitely, like I'm looking at my chart for 2022, and there's three months where I spent more than I made. And I'm currently like, I'm in January right now. I'm looking at this chart that shows me that in January and February of last year, I was in the red and I feel that sales have been low this month and I want to get in my head about it, but I can look at this data and show myself like, yeah, sales are low that month. That's how it goes. That's how it's always gone. It's not you. It is just like consumerism cycles.
1: Oh, totally. And
0: I think that it's so easy to internalize these things and make it about you. But when you can see like there is an ebb and flow outside of you, it's really helpful. This chart was, again, inspired by Sarah Husseini of Not Work Related and Yeah, this also can help you see your concrete monthly expenses so you know exactly what you need to have in the bank to keep your studio running and it can help to accommodate and prepare for those slow months. So I can say, hey, December, I typically make more money than I do any other month. And then it's followed by two of my slowest months of the year. Well, it would be wise for me to take that money in my most lucrative month and save it for the next two months and just make sure that my next two months studio expenses are completely covered and that way I can not be just in panic mode, which is often where I am and it's worth Yeah, knowing your your real financial realities so that you can make more balanced decisions.
1: I think that income variability is so common for artists. And that was actually one of the things that I found kind of challenging about even using most budgeting apps because they seem to rely on having a fixed monthly income or knowing what you're gonna be making from month to month. And sometimes as artists, it's just hard to predict or you have these really extreme fluctuations from being you know, way in the green to being in the red. And so I think part of the reason I decided to zoom out on my income versus expenses charts and not look at the monthly breakdown is because that was especially the case for me this last year. And the majority, I actually didn't do the percentage, but most of my income came in for me in November and December, because that's when I started getting those public art checks. And so if you would have looked at my breakdown for, let's say like the month of July or March, it would have not looked so great. (laughs) But I, I made a lot of money in December. And then I also spent a lot of money you know, also on that project in December. So I think, you know, every year to year is different. And that's why getting like both a micro view, but then also zooming out at that macro level is so important because we know that as artists, our our income can fluctuate from project to project or, Mm -hmm. you know, month over month and year to year. So tracking those different trends is helpful.
0: For sure.
1: I was going to add with that, Regarding
0: income streams, and maybe this made more sense in the income pie chart, but it's worth stating that like for some people, your income stream, it's going to be a ton of tiny little transactions that sprinkle in over time that slowly add up to a livable wage for you. And for others, it may be like a few huge lumps of income and, you know, that are months and months apart from each other. And just knowing your own financial reality and being able to prepare for that. Both of these methods are perfectly acceptable. Nicole and I represent one of each. And I think that it's just helpful to know which you are. And, you know, there are plenty of other Mm -hmm. income uh, and expense breakdowns that we have not mentioned that we do not represent. But I think, again, like clearly knowing your finances, your situation, and making decisions that make sense for you, not comparing your decisions or basing your decisions off of other people's businesses or their lives, which I know I've done and it doesn't ever work because it's not, it's not about them. It's about me if I'm talking about my money. So yeah, it's just worth knowing your money so you can make those choices. Uh, I think the last chart I have is the, where did I put it? My annual... Gross versus net income. Um, This chart that I included is from the years 2016 to 2022. Um, Technically, I started my business in 2012. And I think I only started tracking this information because it started becoming profitable in 2016. And then in 2017, I stopped having non-art day jobs. So those are kind of things to consider in this. The thing, like or, like, the goal for me when it came to figuring out when to quit a day job and just do art full time, that was when I saw my art income match my day job income. I do have like a hand drawing of that income chart from the artist you notes and that was... I think when I was working at Apple and I saw like, okay, I'm able to match my Apple income with my art income. And if I just quit Apple and did only art, I should be able to compensate for that with my time and financially make it work. I think I still ended up taking on a couple barista jobs after that and like a few part-time things, but ultimately eventually left. The gross first net, is helpful to see year to year because, well, one, it helps to give you an average of like what it costs you just to run your art business or your art practice, but it can also be really helpful to see where you can change the disparity between your gross and net, increase the value of your net, bring it closer to your gross, uh, like Nicole and I were talking about regarding being able to keep more of the money that you bring into your business. So that was why I did that chart and I really only decided to do that because I feel like now I've been in business long enough to look at year to year and see how things go. Like if I compare or make all of my decisions off of my gross income, it basically looks like a a mountain that peaked in 2020 and it's been, you know, it was increasing until then and decreasing since. If I base it off of that, I'm just going to feel really rough on myself of like, oh, no, I just am not making as much money as I was. But if I'm looking at my net, I see that like, it's actually been a a lot more up and down. And that gives me more comfort knowing that it is common for those percentages to, to drastically change. So this chart was mostly a peace of mind of like, hey, it's going to be wild year to year. Don't judge it off of last year. Don't expect it for this year. Just do your best, do your work, try to make it and know what your real numbers are right now so that you can cover what you need to in this moment. Yeah. I think those are the only charts I have. Technically, I have a like, this is a chart that I did for that talk that you mentioned before that you created one of your charts for that we can include if we want. We've shared it on the podcast before, but it's like the expectations versus realities of being a full-time artist. And that's just sort of a a real breakdown of of the time spent in the studio, not being just making your art and then it sells, but all of the work that goes on in support of your creative practice, which really is what the podcast is about. So thought I'd mention it. We'll include it, but you, you all know what your studio time actually looks
1: like. Oh, yeah. I was going to add that, well, you've been doing a great job, Amanda, And as we've been preparing to record this episode of just gathering charts that we've seen other artists posting. And mm-hmm. again, shout out to Sarah Husseini from Not Work Related for kicking it off by sharing her own expenses breakdown um, from her ceramics business. Uh, But she started reposting or sharing uh, similar charts that other artists, a lot of other ceramic artists had shared. And I know you were collecting those to send to Beyond the Studio's Instagram. So we'll share some of those too, because I think it's helpful to see you know, just like how other artists are visually tracking their numbers. And we also, since we started doing the income pie charts from Artists U, have seen some of our past guests like Jen Hewitt share similar pie charts. Um, So we've been just even more inspired to continue doing that ourselves um, based on the other artists that we follow. So we'll share those in our stories or maybe make a highlight or something um, just so you have a little bit more variety. But one thing that we wanted to just mention is that the, the metrics and things that you decide to track will look different for every artist. So we've been trying to cover some of the like, kind of foundational ones that we think would be beneficial to anyone, regardless of what type of art you make or you know, what your business model as an artist looks like. Uh, So the income pie charts, the expenses breakdown, and your income versus expenses, whether that's annually, monthly, um, those are really useful. But I think, you know, depending on your work, there may be other things that you want to track that could be helpful metrics. So kind of thinking of like what metrics might be useful for you to get more insight on. And if you haven't developed a way to start tracking that, uh, that would be like the first step whether it's manually or some kind of automated way, like an app. So that could apply to your finances, or it could be time-based, or like you were even uh, mentioning Amanda before the call, like applying some of these to different types of goal setting. Um, So there are a lot of ways that you can use this, I think. And um, again, because every artist's work is so uniquely different, I think like the the metrics that we use and what we decide to track will look different too.
0: Absolutely. And even just from compiling these charts. I feel like I've figured out some stuff I wanna track in the future. Like I know uh, we talked about this when you, or I guess when we did our um, artwork archive episode, but when I got to see like the behind the scenes of your artwork archive and to see how year to year the things you produced versus the things you sold and I've never tracked my like my output of things I actually create in a year like I don't know how many cat toys I made last year I don't know how many plants I made out of felt I don't I don't have any idea and it would have been helpful to have some of that information I know I'd love to track how I spend my time and how much time I actually spend in the studio which I'm not doing but I would like to start we can include some apps that uh, I don't remember them off the top of my head, but they're of like time tracking apps for folks that work for themselves, like so you can clock into your studio or whatever.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny, because even within like that example, I feel like we like you and I have such different metrics, um, because I have no interest in tracking my time. And I it's I would want to, I think the things that I'm looking to track more of would be like, gosh, what else? I think, I think for me, like the expenses as it relates to various projects, like not just my overall studio expenses, but as I've been doing, um, and hopefully we'll take on more public art projects like the one I'm doing now, you know, figuring out like, what are my expenses? an income for each of those projects um, because Mm, my work is very project-based. And so I think like having worked worked hourly jobs in the past, I think, uh, or like, uh, you know, more traditional jobs, um, whether it's like full-time salaried or hourly where I've had to keep, you know, very traditional hours or just like keep my time is very directly correlated to like how much I'm getting paid. So like number of hours worked equals X amount of money. I think when I was trying to make the shift towards working for myself, I really didn't want to be in that position where I felt like I had to be, you know, working a certain number of hours every day in order to meet my financial Goals. And so I think Mm -hmm. the move into project based work is partly to distance myself from that. So even though there are other maybe like challenges where, uh, like we've pointed out, your income may come in larger chunks that are further spread out, um, I think you know, at least it does give me a little bit more flexibility in the studio where like some weeks are like heavier than others. um, And then others, I can just have more balance, or maybe I'm just spending a few hours in the studio in the afternoon. So I think for me trying to like, like not feel like I have to track my time was like one of my personal goals. So I feel like this just goes to show how variable like different artists like work and lives and yeah i think we all have different ways of like motivating ourselves too so figuring out what what your own goals are and what works for you but we'll definitely share links to like any resources that we have if you're interested in those so like some of the budgeting apps we've mentioned or some of the time tracking apps if those are things that you're looking to start tracking more of in your own life yeah
0: so we'll have links we'll include all of that in the show notes I will say, if we're about to wrap it up, I could end with my Etsy story.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) I feel like we have to uh, now that we teased it at the end of our public art episode.
0: I know, we did. So when Nicole and I recorded a few weeks ago, I had just discovered a little uh, financial mistake that I had made that uh, resulted in like a really great surprise that also is like so lame. But whatever, it's cool. This is a story involving a valuable lesson with the importance of regularly reviewing your accounts. So... few weeks ago, I got an order on Etsy and the customer had wanted to like edit the order and add something onto it. I was trying to figure out to see if there is a way to do it, finding myself in sections of their website that I'm not usually in. And I saw something a little crazy and confusing. And I saw under this, the words available for deposit, a rather shocking number, which I will say is like a third of my annual income amount. Big old chunk for me. And I thought maybe it was a mistake or it was showing me like my total earnings through Etsy for the last few years or for this year, but it like didn't align with any of those numbers. So I was trying to figure out what was going on, figured maybe it was a mistake. So I contacted Etsy and I was like, hey, yo, my account says I got this much in it. That's silly. And they were like, Yeah, that's true. And I was like, wait, why though? And they were like, Oh, it looks like you don't have an up-to-date payment account which we can charge for Etsy fees. So like Etsy needs basically two accounts connected, one that they can charge for their fees and one that they can pay you your earnings through. And maybe it could be the same account, but I guess my like the account that they would use to charge me for their Etsy fees had expired and they were withholding my income until I connected it. But because there was enough money in my Etsy account for them to like continue processing the Etsy bills, they just never notified me because they were still making what they needed to. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. so crazy. So got it, got it connected. That That amount of money deposited into my account. It happened like at the very end of 2022. I basically was able to immediately get myself out of credit card debt, which I had been carrying for like a couple of years, but it's worth mentioning that the situation with my Etsy account not depositing, it's been happening for two and a half years. And it basically (laughs) happened when I lost my credit card on my anniversary in 2020. But because I have all these different streams of income. I was still like seeing money come in and I was still getting email notifications of sales happening and, you know, of my Etsy sales. So I was like, okay, I'm still seeing this. Also to say is that I have actually accounted for all of this money tax-wise. So I already paid the taxes on it because the way I was creating my little finance spreadsheet is I was doing it. I was like, going through all my different streams. And I'd be like, okay, I'll go through all of my PayPal transactions. I'll go through all of my Etsy transactions on the Etsy website, rather than through my bank account. Because on the web, like on Etsy, I could see an itemized list of the things that actually sold and like the taxes taken out and all of that. So like, it was more helpful for me in my brain to like use that to do my taxes, which is why I had accounted and paid the taxes on this money But then, just like a fucking squirrel, just squirreled away this little money, this money of mine, and forgot about it. And then suddenly found it. And I was like, oh shit, a tree. It's a tree of money that I forgot I had. (laughs) That, like, I really wish I had found that a year ago because I definitely was paying credit card interest this whole time. But, like,
1: you basically just had this big chunk of change in your Etsy account that they had stopped direct depositing for the yes. last few years. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. I was like
0: livid and grateful simultaneously where I was what a like Oh my emotions. god, this has been so stupid, but also like oh my god, I can't believe I get to actually pay off my credit card at the end of the year cuz like I had just put like finished putting together my goals for 2023 and the literally my only goal was to get out of credit card debt which Aww. like and, like, I – you know, we've recorded an oh, episode wow. a few years ago where I was, like, I'm out of credit card debt. And I pretty much immediately fell back into it right away because there was simultaneous, like, house, house, car – or house, car, car mm. problem and, you know, how it goes sometimes. So all that to say, I actually got to start this year feeling really fresh. And even though, like – That's amazing. The money is basically gone now because, like, you know, it, it was able – to I was able to do some studio upgrades – pay off my credit card. I'm still, you know, money is still tight right now, but sometimes these things work out. Sometimes we make silly mistakes and um, it is really, really worth it to uh, go through your finances with a fine tooth comb and make sure the money that you are earning actually ends up in your account. I was a lot more thorough when tracking my finances this year. I now am seeing, you know, I'm getting those emails. It's like, Etsy has deposited this amount into your account. It is being processed on this date. I'm like, okay, it's it's going through now. But, you know, (laughs) even I, dear podcast listeners, can be a fool. But it's all going to be okay. It's like a Christmas bonus. (laughs) Right? I didn't mean to give myself a Christmas bonus, but I did. Yeah. So... Listeners, oh I hope you gosh. enjoyed these stories. Uh, I hope that you can also feel you know, financially informed to make better decisions around your own money and your own future. And if you're making charts, we would love to see them. So please tag us, send them our way. Yeah.
1: Yeah, if you make your own income pie chart or expense ratio breakdown or gross versus net income, uh, we really would love to see and share because I think the more examples that we have from different types of artists, the more it helps to broaden our own view of the the myriad of ways that artists are generating income for themselves and uh, are tracking their time and money. So please do share. We would love to see. And we'll link all of the resources and references um, that we've mentioned throughout the conversation in our show notes. Um, And again, head over to our Instagram at Beyond the Studio if you want to see examples of these um, and other artists' charts. And our website, beyondthe.studio, will share those charts as well. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. That's all for today's episode of Beyond the Studio. You can find episode notes, images, links, and references over at our website, beyondthe.studio. While
0: you're there, be sure to submit to our listener spotlight and sign up for our email list to find out about
1: upcoming guests, events, special announcements, podcast giveaways, and more. If you love listening to Beyond the Studio, please leave us a rating and review and share the show with your creative community. Thanks! Remy's taking a big old lap of water, so...
0: Oh, Remy, 12 out of 10. What a good pup. What is his favorite income stream? (laughs) Income stream? (laughs) Just kidding. He don't know the meaning of the word. Yeah, Sprout's not working either. It's very hard. (laughs) I lied when I said I have no dependents. She's extremely expensive.
1: I could give you his expense breakdown between daily milk bones, food, toys... Veterinary expenses. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How much
0: does it cost to give Sprout a handful of greenies each day? (laughs) Millions. Remy's drinking water again. Thirsty dog. And I can also Um,
1: rearrange this
0: episode, so. It's
1: maybe. Yeah. If you've gotten this far without this information, thank you. Um, Otherwise, maybe (laughs) we will edit this to where it makes more sense at the beginning of the episode.